0: Thank you for listening in to this podcast from Valley View Church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 4. I want to read verse 1 through 4 in the New King James, and then 12 through 18, I'm going to read in the King James. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another. And here's the phrase I want you to hang on to. What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing as it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. I know this is Thanksgiving week and that was the direction I had planned going today. But I felt impressed to the Spirit to take a different direction and to share with you this this morning. I know we've heard messages from Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and verse 12 through 18. If you're in the Pentecostal church, you've heard message after message from this passage. But I want to address it in a little bit different way today, the way I feel like the Lord wants me to address it. But let me say this before I do. In light of the Thanksgiving week, not just on Thursday, but throughout the entirety of this week, Let your mind be continually on what you're thankful for. And as you begin to ponder on what you're thankful for, let your mouth speak the praises of God. Let your mouth speak worship unto the Lord. Let your mouth and your spirit give adoration unto the God who made it all possible, who brought it all into your life, who made it all available unto you. Let your body, let your spirit, let your mind, let your soul, let every part of you continually give adoration to the Lord, for He is so worthy and He is so deserving. Amen. I want to share with you for a few moments this morning after a word of prayer on this thought. It's just God. I want you to think about that. It's just God. God. Father, I ask you now, Lord, to anoint your word today, Lord, anoint me to preach the word as you have birthed it in my heart and in my spirit for this service today. Lord, for I believe that you've given me a unique word for a unique moment, God, to speak into us this day, Lord, that we will be encouraged and that we will be uplifted and that we will understand, Lord, that you desire us to have your fullness. And you desire that we walk in the fullness of who you are, what you are, and what you're all about and I pray Lord that you'll let the glory of your Holy Spirit let it reign in this room and let it fill our hearts, let it fill our minds, let it satisfy who we are and let us be uplifted and encouraged by your presence in this room and I pray that every hungry heart and every thirsty soul will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God that every hungry heart and every thirsty soul will be filled with the refreshing power of your Holy Spirit. God that we will lead here today, overflowing in the joy and the peace and the presence and the glory of God. And Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn around and somebody shake their hand. This is what I want you to say to them. I am thankful for you today. Amen. God bless you. And I say to everyone in this room, I am thankful for you today. Isn't it wonderful to be loved? And isn't it wonderful to know that someone is thankful for you and thankful for who you are? Amen. I want to share with you for a few moments. Let me just say this. Angie, I want to say to you and to Clay, thank you so much for all your hard work. Thank you so much for everything that was done and for everyone who came out yesterday and helped with with the food giveaway, with the clothing giveaway, with everything that took place. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I want to tell you, every life that was touched and every life that was changed, we may not know it all down here, but when we get to heaven one day, there'll be someone who will come up and say, it's because of you and your kindness and showing me the love and the mercy of God that I am here today, and that will make it worth it all. I just want to say thank you and God bless you. It's just God. I want you to think about that statement, if you will. Now, when we read in this passage, of Scripture talks about the day of Pentecost. It talks about how that the Spirit of God fell upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And the Bible tells us that there's 120 believers who come together, and the power of God falls upon them, and their life is forevermore changed. But then you read a little further in Scripture, and then we get down to verse number 12, and you find that there are those who are confused by what they are hearing. They're confused by hearing these speak with other tongues. They're confused by what is taking place, and the statement is made here. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying, One to another, what meaneth this? They didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand what was taking place. All they heard was that people were speaking strange things, that people were speaking things that they did not understand. And I want to just stop and say this to you. We need manifestations of the power of God in our midst today that provokes the world to say this again. What meaneth this? We need such moves of God among in the house of God that provokes the world to make the statement once more, what meaneth this? What does this mean? What is it all about? I don't understand. Well, number one, the world doesn't understand God, and we know that. The world doesn't understand the church. We know that. The world doesn't understand the presence of God, and we know that. But I would that if we could come to that place that people would ask again, what does it mean? And our response should always be this, it's just God because in reality you don't know we don't know how to respond. We don't know exactly what to say to them because we cannot explain God. We cannot always help them understand. God, we can tell them about his love, we can tell them about his mercy, we can tell them about his grace, but when you come down to the reality of it, it's just God. And God can do things the way God wants to do them. God can do things the way He desires to do them. And we don't always have to understand the move, the will, or the hand of God. But I want to go back here. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. This in itself should be the aim of every service when we come together. In the house of God. What is that? To reach the place where all that are assembled together are sounding the same note of praise and the same note of worship and adoration, magnifying and glorifying the Lord. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that when we come together in the house of God, everybody's sounding the same note of praise? Everybody's sounding the same note of worship. That doesn't mean we're all going to sound the same, doesn't mean We're all going to sound alike, but we're sounding the same note of praise and worship unto God. We're offering up the same adoration to the Lord. We are magnifying the name of the Lord together. There is something about when the people of God come together in unity of worship and in unity of adoration and in unity of glory. There is something about when God's people come together in unity. If you don't know the real truth of the matter, it's this. God wants us to be unified. He wants us to be unified in our service. He wants us to be unified in our work. He wants us to be unified as the people of God. He wants us to be unified as a church. But can I tell you this? God wants us to be unified in our worship, in our praise, and again, in our adoration. Why is this? Because he wants us to come together in one mind and in one accord to lift him up in the way that he so desires and so deserves to be lifted up. I want you to notice Psalm 133, 1 through 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Notice what he said, it's a pleasant thing, it's a wonderful thing, it's a glorious thing. When brothers and sisters can dwell together in the unity of the Lord, he said it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Oh, I like that part. There, the Lord commanded the blessing life forever. More, But I want you to notice that part, first part, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I believe that is the heart of God for the church. I believe that's the heart of God for his people. I believe that's the heart of God for every family, for every home, for every family unit, is that we dwell together in unity. But I want you to notice that word unity. It is the state of qual- or quality of being one. It means to be in accord. It means to be in harmony, if you will. It's a singleness of purpose, and it is singleness of action. And I want you to notice what, what he's saying to us. When the people of God come together in harmony, when the people of God come together in singleness of mind and in singleness of action, and their only focus and their only desire is to worship and to praise and to magnify the Lord, to glorify God, how wonderful it is. Then in 2 Chronicles five thirteen, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good. I want everybody in this room to say it with me. For he is good. God is good. For his mercy endureth Forever that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. And I want you to listen to this last part. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Can I tell you why the glory of the Lord filled the house? Can I tell you why the glory of the Lord came down in that place? Because his people had come together in that one mind and in one accord. They had come together unified in purpose. They came together unified in plan. They came together unified in the heart and the purpose of God. And I want to tell you when the church gets unified, the glory of the Lord will show up. When the church gets unified, the glory of the Lord will fill the house when the church gets unified the glory of God will be manifested and I want to take that a little further it'll come down in the house of God yes, but when there is unity in the home, the glory of God will come down in the home When there's unity on the job site, the glory of the Lord will come down on the job. When there is unity, wherever you may be, the glory of the Lord will come down. Just like that little story I've told you a moment ago about me and this gentleman meeting. We were unified in purpose for just a few moments. We were connected in purpose for just a few moments. And Robert, I felt the Holy Ghost come down. I don't know if anybody else in that meal could feel the glory of God, but I could feel him all over that room. And when they came down where we were and they stood in front of us, that man began to open his mouth. The glory of the Lord was all around. I I kid you not, I thought that man was fixing to shout all over the place. And if he had I'd have probably gone with him. But I want you to understand, when the unity of the Lord takes place, no matter whether it's two people together, whether it's in the home or the church, the job site, no matter where it is, the glory of the Lord will come down and it will fill the place where unity is. When they're unified in the purpose of the Lord. But then let's go a little further. We go to Acts chapter 16. We've dealt with the unity side. But in Acts chapter 16, and suddenly, instantly, surprisingly, quickly, without warning, everything begins to change. Now, you notice, if you will, first of all, the scriptures I gave you dealt with unity, coming together unified in purpose, unified in God's will, and unified in God's plan. But then all of a sudden, Acts 16 comes along, and suddenly, instantly, quickly, everything becomes different. In Acts 16 and 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loose so we go from one set of scriptures that talks about unity and then we go to another set of scripture that says all of a sudden God shows up Paul and Silas were unified in what they were unified in worship they were unified in praise they might have been in the deepest darkest part of dungeon but they weren't feeling sorry for their self. They weren't patting their self on the back. They began to lift up praise and adoration and glory and honor unto the Lord and when they began to glorify God in unity, the glory of God came down and all of a sudden out of nowhere an earthquake takes place and they go from bound to being loosed in the presence of God. And I want to tell you something to somebody in this room. I don't know how long you've been bound. I don't know how long you've been burdened. But if you lift up your praise and your adoration and your glory unto God, you can go from being bound to all of a sudden being loose and rejoicing and praising God this morning. Oh, I feel him in this room. Listen to me. The chains were broken off. Everything looked hopeless. They were bound hand and foot in the deepest, darkest, filthiest part of the prison. Everything Paul and Silas could see shouted, useless. Everything they could see shouted, hopelessness, helplessness, shouted, give up and quit. You ever been there? Seem like we deal with these kinds of things quite a bit when we preach the word because that's where people are today. That's where people are struggling. That's where people are fighting. That's where people are living. That's what people are going through. Those moments when the enemy wants you to feel hopeless, Colin mentioned it earlier, he wants you to feel helpless. He wants you to feel like you you need to just give up and quit. There's no use in going any further. I want to tell you something, it's in those very moments when you feel your lowest it's in those very moments when you feel you've gone down as far as you can go it's in those lowest moments when you feel like there's not one more thing that you can do then all of a sudden God breaks in, in a sudden moment and everything changes in your life and you go from the bottom to the top in a split second of time you go from the bottom to the top in the blink of an eye, you go from the bottom to the top. and Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I want you to understand something. You may feel as low as you can be this morning, but I declare and I decree over your life this morning that before you leave this house, you're going from the bottom to the top of your situation and God is going to bring you out of where you are. Oh, hallelujah. Then we go back to Acts chapter 9, verse 3. But before we do, let me say this. On his way to persecute the church, Saul is one of the greatest enemies of the church that ever lived. But yet he experienced a sudden moment in the presence of God. Now let me give it to you this way. He experienced a changing moment in the presence of God. Whew. Charles, he didn't know he is on the bottom, but he is on the bottom but in a moment of time he went from the bottom to the top. In a moment of time, everything about his life changed. Oh, maybe he thought it was going good because he was the strong man. He was the powerful man. But what he did not understand, he had never met the strong man yet. He had never met the power man yet. But on that Damascus road, he met the strong man. He met the man of power. He met the man of authority. He met Oh God, I feel him in this room. Somebody understand, in a sudden moment with God everything changed in Acts chapter 9 verse 3 and as he traveled he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him displaying the glory and the majesty of Christ and he fell to the ground and heard a voice from heaven saying to him Saul, Saul why are you persecuting and oppressing me and Saul said who are you Lord And he answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And I like this next part. He asked him, why are you persecuting me? Saul said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you've been fighting. I'm the one you've been persecuting. I'm the one whose people you've been killing. I'm the one whose people you've been destroying. I'm the one whose people you've been fighting against. But then he says to Saul, now get up. I know it doesn't say it like this. I'm going to give you Keith Owensby version for a moment. Saul, I've knocked you flat on your back. I've I've knocked the starch out of you, big boy. I brought you down from your high horse to the lowest place you can go. Right now, Saul, you're on the bottom. Oh, you thought you was the glory, but right now you're on the bottom. But then the Lord says, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. I want to tell you something. If Saul had stayed on that ground, his life would have never changed. If he had stayed in that moment, nothing would have ever been different. But the moment he reached down and put his hand on the ground, said to Amy, and he pushed himself up off of the ground, and he stood flat-footed. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. The moment he stood up on his feet, everything about his life began to change. And I want to just say this to you. We should live every day in the expectation of moments with God that change everything. We should live every day of our life with expectation of moments with God that will change everything. We need to preach every sermon, teach every lesson, sing every song, sow every seed, pray every prayer with the expectation that suddenly God will move. We need to do all these things with the expectation that suddenly God is going to break through. I want you to listen to this. When we begin to pray every prayer and we begin to do these things that we're instructed to do, we need to do it with the expectation that suddenly someone will fall into conviction and be saved. That suddenly somebody will be healed. That suddenly someone will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and with power. That suddenly the yoke of a Addiction and bondage will be broken off of someone's life. We need to live with that kind of expectation every day of our life that someone suddenly, someone will get their joy back. Someone will get their peace back. Suddenly the spirit of fear will be broken. I want to say this before I go any further. I see more people gripped with fear in this day in which we live than I think I've ever seen in my life. I didn't say much about it to you last week, but I'll just briefly say this. Many of you have already heard about the, the accident with my dad in the service about a week and a half ago now where he was electrocuted in the service switching guitars. He took a hard hit. It's only by the grace and mercy of God that man is standing or, or, or is alive today. Has a lot of pain. Has a lot of things he's dealing with. But my mom told me last night when I called to check on him again, she said, I want you to keep praying for him. She said, because he's still dealing with the fact that sometimes when he turns the light on, when it pops on, it scares him. When certain things happen, it scares him. That post-traumatic syndrome. I don't say this to you. The devil would like nothing more than to use that to bring such fear upon my father to hold him back from preaching the word of God and doing and continuing to do what God called him to do. But I refuse today to stand here and to allow that to happen in my father's life. I ain't going to battle on his behalf and stand together on his behalf. That victory is his and deliverance is his. But what I want you to understand, that may sound like one, but so many people are dealing with fear and insecurities and all kinds of things today, more so than seemingly ever before. But we need to live with such expectancy every day that suddenly fear will be broken off of the lives of those we care about and those that we love. Amen. If you've got a family member that's bound with fear, you don't have to just take it. If you've got a family member that's bound with fear, you don't have to just accept the fact that it's going on. You can stand in the gap, and you can make up the hedge. We need to live with expectancy every day that suddenly hope will spring up where there has been no hope. Listen to me. The two identifying remarks of Pentecost were and still are this. What meaneth this? There's that statement again. What meaneth this? The second statement is this. These men are full of new wine. And can I just tell you the truth is we need some what meaneth this moves of the Spirit in our midst today. We need some what meaneth this moments in the church in this last hour. Something that has no other explanation other than it's God and God alone. Other than it's just God. We can't explain it. We can't try to help people understand it just to say to them, it is God and God alone. The Bible said these men were full of new wine. Won't you listen to this? They were full of new wine. This was spoken critically, it was spoke, but yet it was spoken truthfully. They meant it to be a critical statement. They meant it to be a critical gesture, if you will. Uh, But in reality, it was a truthful statement. They recognized that they were full of something. Don't you listen to this. They recognized they were full of something, but yet they thought it was wine. They were right, but it wasn't the kind of wine they were used to. They were full on new wine of the Holy Spirit. They were full on new wine of the Holy Ghost. I want everybody in this room to hear this. The sad truth today is that many are not full like that anymore. The sad truth today is many are satisfied with just enough of the Holy Ghost to get them to heaven. Did you hear what I said? Many are satisfied with just enough of the Holy Spirit to get them to heaven, but God don't want you to have just enough. God wants you to be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled and refilled. refilled. The prophet Elisha said to a little widow woman who had borrowed many, many vessels, empty vessels, he said to her, set aside that which was full. You remember the story? He said, set aside that which was full. Listen, full meant it was ready for service. Full meant it was prepared to be used. And I want to make a statement here. We are not truly ready for service until we are full. We're always ready for God to use us, but we're not fully ready for service until we get full. When we get full, then we are at the place that God can use us to the fullest degree. That's why Luke 24 49, Jesus told his disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Why? Because when the upper room got filled, they got filled. And when they got filled, it overflowed out into the streets where people were. It went from 120 to 5,000 people being saved and brought into the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? When they got filled, it overflowed into the streets. I want to say to Valley View Church this morning, when we get full, we will overflow. And when we are fully, truly filled, it will be, it will not be limited to this church house. It will not be limited to this building, but it will flow through the city of Sylacauga, and the Spirit of God will flow throughout This city and the Spirit of God will fill those who will allow Him. I don't know about you but I want God to fill us to that place. I want God to fill us so full of overflowing that it can't stay in here but it's got to reach out beyond where we are. I want it to flow in such magnitude that people will be drawn by the Spirit of God that they sense when they just drive by. I want us to be so full that people can be on the other side of this city and be drawn over here to Highway 21 and be drawn down this way and don't even know why they're going that way. Do you understand? Jesus said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And, they, and then the Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake with other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. Listen to me. The first evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost was they spoke with other tongues. That was the first evidence. That was the first proof. That was the first initial thing that said, Hey, the Spirit of God is living in me. This doesn't, and don't you to listen to this. This doesn't come from your head. This comes from your spirit man. You don't speak with other tongues because it comes from what you think. or comes from your mind or the source of your brain. But it comes through the spirit man of who you are. Because the words that come out of your mouth and speaking in other tongues, Charles, is not words of man. It's not words we can think of or we can dream of or we can make come to pass. But it's words that come through the Spirit and the power of God as the anointing of the Holy Ghost flows through us, in us, and about us. And I want you to understand this morning, many of the issues we struggle with could be solved forever just by simply becoming filled with the Spirit of the Lord. Not just endued, but filled. You've heard the term, they were endued with power. Thank God for the enduement. But not just being endued with power, but being filled continually with the power of God. There's a lot of people who claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost, but when they open their mouth and they begin to speak, the proof is not there. You understand what I'm saying this morning? There's certain things when the Spirit of God comes into your mind, into your life, there's certain things about you that will change forevermore. You won't talk like you once did. You won't say the things you once said. You won't act the way you once acted. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but listen, this condition of being full must be maintained. You have to keep in constant contact with the source to continually stay full. Ephesians 5.18, the Passion Translation said, And don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And I like what he said. He didn't say just be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That actually means keep being filled. That actually means keep being filled over and over. Be not drunk with wine, which equals excess, but be filled with the Spirit, is what the Bible said. Paul is speaking here of being full of the Spirit in contrast to being drunk with wine. And don't you listen? He's saying that when a person becomes full of the Spirit, his or her life will show that they are under the influence of the power of God's Spirit someone is under the influence of alcohol you automatically know it you automatically sense it you can you you pick up on it number one you smell their breath number two you hear what they're saying you number three you see how they're acting they don't act like they normally do let me just stop and tell you when you get under the influence of the holy spirit when you get on the influence of the holy ghost i want to tell you something you don't act like you used to there's a holy breath that starts breathing through you. Are you listening to me this morning? There's a difference about who you are. When you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we've heard it said before, you live holy, you think holy, you talk holy, you sing different, you preach different, you testify different, you walk different, you talk different, you teach different. Everything you do is done Different. Everything about your, you demonstrates that you are under the influence of God's Holy Spirit. Worship team, be coming. Everything about you demonstrates that you are under the influence of God's Spirit. And you are full of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me this morning. I haven't preached about the Holy Ghost in a little while but I felt it so strongly last night into this morning that God where God wanted me to go, what God wanted me to say to you this morning as a reminder once again. Yes, we are a Pentecostal church, but let me just say this. Forget the fact that we're a Pentecostal church for a few moments. We are God's people, and His Word tells us what? His Word says you can be saved. His Word says you can be sanctified. His Word says you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His Word says you can have the fullness of God. His word says that you can have his glory. His word says you can have his anointing. His word says you can have his authority. His word says you can have his boldness. I want somebody to get this. Everything about you demonstrates you're under the influence of the Spirit of God when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. They said on that day, what meaneth this? There's that question again. They said on that day, what does it mean? Somebody said they're drunk. That means they're full. They're intoxicated. They're under the influence of something, but not what they thought. The crowd asked the question, what meaneth this? And I want to give you something right here, and I want you to listen to it real close. What meaneth this? Well, let me ask you, what meaneth this when a drug addict is suddenly free from the need and the desire for drugs? It means that God has done something very powerful in their life. What meaneth this when the alcoholic suddenly has no more desire for alcohol? It means that God has done something powerfully in their life. What meaneth this when a husband and wife are on the verge of divorce and all of a sudden they fall head over heels in love with each other again? Husbands, look over at your wife and just tell her you love her this morning. Ashley, I love you. Maybe you hadn't told her that in a while if you hadn't shame on you. Now wives, look over at your husband and tell him you love him. Maybe you hadn't told him that in a while if you hadn't shame on you. I don't know how that came in my message. But what mean of this when somebody's on the brink of divorce? And then all of a sudden they fall in love again. I'll tell you what it is. The power of God had prevailed in their life. What meaneth this when someone who has given up on life but suddenly hope springs up and joy begins to fill their heart? What meaneth this when someone who's been blind from birth all of a sudden starts seeing? What meaneth this when the hardest of hearts are melted? What meaneth this when the worst of enemies become the best of friends? What meaneth this? In other words, what they are asking is this, how can you explain this? Let me tell you why marriages get put back together. Let me tell you why the blind see. Let me tell you why the alcohol, all it can walk away from the alcohol. Let me tell you why the drug addict can walk away because of the spirit and the power of God that is in operation in this earth today. And when we get saved and we go beyond that point and that place of salvation in our life and we seek the fullness of God, the fullness of His Spirit, the fullness of His power, and the fullness of His glory, can I tell you this? The fuller you get of the Spirit of God and the presence of God, the further He will take you away from who you used to be and what you used to be and how you used to live. A lot of people today, this is not even a mess. I'm going to say it while I'm here. A lot of people today, they want God, but they want just enough that they can live close enough to the world to be what they want to be on both sides. But listen to me, it does not work that way. Somebody in this room may say, well, God delivered me from drugs, but I've been feeling that tugging lately. God delivered me from alcohol, but I've been feeling that tugging lately. Uh, My marriage has been in trouble, and and I really don't want to see anything that happened, but I, I don't know what to do. Let me say this to you. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Get full of the Spirit of God. Get in with power. Let the power of God get a hold of your life. And I will tell you this, the Holy Ghost will take you further from alcohol than you've ever been and further from drugs than you've ever been. And the Holy Ghost will help you fall in love with that beautiful lady that God put in your life. Fall in love with that handsome husband that God put in your life. The Holy Spirit will do that kind of work in you. Again, playing softly. What mean of this? How can you explain this? There's some things that have only one explanation. Don't you stand to your feet. There's some things that have only one explanation. There's some things in life that have only one answer. Some things in life, there's only one way you can Explain it. And it's this it's not technical, it's not confusing, it's simple, Kevin. It's just God. End of question. It's not hard, it's not difficult. Matter of fact, it's really kind of easy if you let it be. But it all comes down, James. It's just God. End of question. Final statement. End of the line. Nobody else. Nothing else. It's just God. Now, that being said, I'm going to give this all to call the way I felt like God wanted me to give it. If you need a just God moment, this moment is for you. I'm going to tell you what I feel. Because it speaks to everybody in this room in a different way. But I promise you, God's speaking to the hearts and lives of people all through this room right now while I'm talking to you. And I'm not singling nobody out. If there's a lost person here, I'm talking to you. If it's a backslider, here, I'm talking to you. But child of God, I'm talking to you. Church member, I'm talking to you. Church attender, I'm talking to you. Friend of mine, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to everybody. If you need a just God moment... This is your moment, but I want you to hear me. When you step into your moment, I want somebody to listen to me. When you step into your moment, you got to make your petition to God. When you step into your moment, you got to open your heart before the Lord. When you step into your moment, you got to declare what you believe. You got to declare what you expect. Let me bring it down a little more normal. You got to declare what you want.